Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota on Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington. Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. It's time for the Catholic Hipster Podcast with my dad, Tommy. And our fun Sarah. I hope you like it. What up, everybody, and welcome to the Catholic Hipster Podcast, episode 18. I'm your co-host number one, Tommy Ty. And co-host number two is in Atlanta, Georgia, Sarah Vabulous. What up, party people? Do I sound like you? Do I sound like you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's my I'm favorite. a little more nasally because I have a deviated septum, but you know, it's all oh, good. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm stuffy because I have the world's worst summer allergies, so... Actually, summer allergies. I'm allergic to everything. Let's just either I'm allergic to something every season. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's good to be back on with you. How you doing over there? Our oh. podcast has turned an adult. It's 18. We're officially <gasps> able to vote and yeah, um, buy cigarettes. Buy cigarettes, unless you're in California. Uh, we don't do that here. Wait, wait, wait. What? Oh, we're 21 for cigarettes here. Yeah, what? How did I not know that? It's pretty recent, kind of. Re- or oh. maybe it's just San Francisco. I don't know. Oh, we'll have to Google that. Someone Google it and tweet it at us. The Bay Area is the only thing I pay attention to. What else can you do when you're 18? Well, you go to college when you're 18. You do. You take AP tests. That's exciting. Nobody? AP tests? No. <laughs> Not, that's Well, <laughs> it was fine until you said that's exciting. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll never forget. I got a four on AP statistics. I'm 34 and I still remember that. Woohoo! Uh, you can join the military and we can travel abroad because a lot of people do that i guess people do that huh yeah i would be too scared to do that me too although you know this whole uh, notion of doing a gap year between high school and college um i think there's something to that if you do service for that year that's cool. I'd rather do a gap year between college and life. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, at the same time, I probably, looking back now, probably could have benefited from an extra year of maturity before I went to school. Yeah, I get that for sure. I could have benefited from probably four or five. <laughs> yeah, may- maybe. I, uh, heck, sometimes I wish I could go back to school now because I'm pretty sure I would make significantly better grades. <laughs> You'd be like actually into learning for learning's sake, like you're supposed to be. I know. know? I would actually read and be prepared for (laughs) class. And wow. Except for now there's cell phones. I always think like uh, when I was in college, I had a flip phone Mm -hmm. that I only used for like, it was literally turned off unless I had a flat tire or something like that. And so I think about if I was in college now with like Twitter and Instagram and Mm -mm. just having a Mm -mm. cell phone, I couldn't handle it. I don't think. No way. I mean, Facebook came out my spring of my sophomore year. That seems right is when Notre Dame got Facebook. Um, It was probably like April or whatever. And that just started taking over everything. But it was only college kids at the time and no one knew how to use it. Um, So and we didn't have uh, like cell phones that could I guess they were like the early cell phones that maybe some of them had a camera on them. I did not have a camera phone until after college. So Facebook back then was like 
Sarah Vabulous is watching her favorite Friday night TV show. I don't show, even think period, right? it was that. It, it it became that after I graduated. Like Facebook uh, at first was, maybe that was like senior year, but Facebook at first had this one giant wall that you could write anything you want on and anybody could edit what you wrote too. Like it was a whole different world. That's pretty cool. I had Facebook for like six months and I only had 20 friends and I said, I, this is boring and depressing and then I deleted oh. it. That was 2008. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to shock you. But in college, uh, my goal was to have more friends than anybody else on Facebook. Like, what a I'm stupid person I was. Like, what a <laughs> stupid person. <laughs> Look how far you've come, Sarah. Hey, 10, ten years ago, me, you're a moron. <laughs> That goes for all of us. So, hey, one of the crazy things happening in the Catholic world right now is that Cardinal Sarah, who I guess is like the, you know, top dog. He's named. Uh, I'm named after him. Not really. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that wasn't planned. And that was fantastic. Um, he's asking priests all around the world to start facing east. I'm a, if you could see Advent. me, you would see me. um Raising my hands in the air and like fist pumping, shaking like pom poms. <laughs> I wish you were shaking pom poms. Well, I sort of, I'm like doing the motion, but no pom pom. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I guess I would have to bring a compass because I'm not very good with direction to know which way east is. But you know what? Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I saw someone pointed out a picture where it's like, churches aren't necessarily set up no. to where facing east you know so it'd be like the priest could be facing sideways like staring at the altar uh, my church the cathedral here in atlanta faces north so good luck with that guys <laughs> that's probably my favorite part i mean the facing east thing like okay um i, I don't know i don't know if i 100 percent like think that that's uh, if a church faces that direction um, and it you could do the, the ad or orientum and that makes sense, that's fine. But I think um, in the case of like my church where he would have to be facing um, the ambo <laughs> the and the wall, you know, like where where the, and actually he'd be facing where some of the altar servers sit. I think that would be weird. Yeah. This homilies for you, altar servers. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> like, hey, well, our altar servers sit in two spots. Like, one is, one on uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we usually have like six. It's the cathedral, so like one sits over near where the priest sits because they're the one that holds the book for him and stuff. But um, the other, usually the four or five, sit in the back corner where you can barely see them. <laughs> You just, I almost had like heart palpitations. I don't know if other people who were altar surfers did when you say gets the book for him. And I pictured myself standing there while the priest is saying, let us pray. Yes. Let us pray. And, and you're, and you're, praying, you're like, oh my oh, God. Whoa. Oh. And then as you stand there, your hands start to drop and the priest sticks his hands out and pushes the book back up. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. You know, good we stuff. should do an episode on um, stuff that happened as people were altar servers. Oh, I've got some great stories. I was never an altar server, so I'll just have to be color commentary. Being an altar server is quite a fun experience. Um, you you have absolutely zero maturity to be up there on the altar, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I think I have to toe the line on this ad orientum thing of like, I kind of think it would be cool because it's sort of a throwback. But do I mostly just think it would be cool because a lot of people would be upset about it and think it was bizarre? Mm. I don't want to think it's cool just because of that. Well, but you kind of do, which is why you run a blog called Catholic Hipster. 
I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I would love for people to show up and be like, you know, I would just love it. This is so ridiculous. He's not looking. You know, it, it would be so great. I, all the people who are <laughs> chewing gum at mass would be all pissed off. Yeah, the lady that I saw at mass last weekend who brought her coffee cup into the church. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm like, it's- you guys, we are not a non-denominational megachurch. Go home. Stop it, right? <laughs> We're not serving nachos in don't, the back. Don't bring, yeah, we don't have donuts. You're not allowed to bring your chicken biscuit. Oh, wait, you can't get them on Sundays. Not allowed to bring your McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit into the church. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you could bring grabbing a donut on the way in. That that could be a pretty good draw, too. Uh, yeah, but um, I, I love the idea of having the priest <clears throat> face the um, the crucifix in the, the way that it used to be before Vatican II in that way. Like, I, I love our mass and I know a lot of people really love the traditional Latin mass and I, and I love that it's coming back and that people have options of what they would like to attend. And, and I like to, to go, you know, every once in a while, but... I really could get behind the priest facing the, the, the other way. I just thought of that as I was saying it. And because, well, because it just, it just makes sense. Like, oh my gosh. Um, and, and every time I've gone on um, pilgrimages or, or trips to Europe, like with a priest and, and as a group, I am absolutely so moved to go to some of the churches in Rome or around Italy or um, some of the spots we were in in Greece to actually have the priest face the other direction because that's how the altars are, especially in the Vatican at the, the major churches around Rome, the priest has to face ad orientum. And I, and it just, it just makes perfect sense. Like in particular during the consecration to have the priest raise the host and in front of the crucifix, you know, trans, um, transubstantiation, transubstantiation happens. Like it just makes perfect sense. And I think you mentioned before about the coffee cup lady and how this isn't a Protestant church. Um, it it really, I think it it's hard. I've seen priests who seem to struggle with like facing the people and um, maybe kind of like putting on a show for the homily, like mm-hmm. it's about them. So mm-hmm. I think that would be just well, the homily the can be. still face it. I know, forward, no, I know. I'm just but... saying, but I think it, I think it like gives a like sort of framework for it not being all about them, which is really yeah. Funny. Which um... although facing backwards for the homily would be pretty funny. <laughs> I think. That would be that yeah dare you priest who listens to this you you <laughs> won't <Darryl>. you <laughs> won't you won't father daryl father kyle <laughs> um but i just to me i feel like right now the catholic church in so many ways just just needs to get back to jesus and get back to the basics and i think this could really help put the focus on where it needs to be and that's in the lord I'm in. Sarah, it's the middle of summer and you purport yourself to be some sort of beer expert. Some um, sort. Well, okay, yeah. so I have a confession to make, Tommy. No, is this going to be where you confess that you don't drink that much again? No. I, okay, go I, ahead then. Sort of. <laughs> I've been drinking wine and hard liquor and I haven't had a beer in a long time. What the heck? You're eating oyster tacos and drinking wine? Who are you? I had a margarita. Well, that's better. <laughs> um, but I love wine. You know, my taste buds go through these ebbs and flows. Um, and this year, it's just, it's it likes wine. So I'm just going with the flow. You know, I try wine. I try it. I try it. I try it. I can't do it. And I can't pretend that I like it. Any of it. I mean, I have had a glass of wine that I liked. But, you know, when it's like, hey, we're having lasagna tonight. Let's get a bottle of wine. I just want to pour it down the drain. True oh. confessions. Oh, yeah. well, that's sad for you. <laughs> 
Thank you. Well, despite the fact that you no longer drink beer, why don't you make, hey, let's open it up. What's a great midsummer drink, period? Okay. So I was on Jen Fulweiler's show uh, just yesterday. I and... saw it. She was trying to open up a bottle. Okay. Number one, she opened up a bottle with a pair of scissors on air. And the fact that I was on the phone with her, I almost like I almost died. Like I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> And uh, I, I couldn't believe, and I wish that she had Snapchatted it because in my head I'm picturing her doing this. But well, anyways, opening a bottle with scissors while Snapchatting dangerous. I know that's exactly dangerous. what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be on the podcast, so so I'll make sure we put the link out for everybody. But um, we we talked about Saint Arnold and some beers, um, and then yesterday I told Jen about a drink that I made for. Uh, for my team at work yesterday so um you know just it's summer it was a friday i decided to and I, i've had this alcohol sitting in my closet for almost two years now that i got in brazil and so i just decided to take it into work um and and uh give my team a happy hour and so i made something called a caipirinha oh my gosh so good all right lay it on us what is it it is the brazilian national brazilian drink and it's appropriate because the Olympics are going to be in Rio coming very soon. But it's got the base of it is a liquor called Cachaças. Can you say that? Cachaças. Cachaças. Yeah, you didn't do it. It's fine. It, <laughs> you have no idea how long it took me to learn how to say that when I was in Brazil. Um, and so it's made from sugar cane. So it's it's I like uh, it. It's good. not a rum, but it's made from sugar cane, but it's not rum. It's very it's such a stronger flavor. Um and uh and then it has sugar and limes. Lime juice, limes. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. So it's basically all alcohol. Awesome. Yeah, really good. So it's two ounces of cachaças, um, about like a you sugar to taste, but I would say no less than a like two teaspoons because otherwise it's just way too strong. And then um, I put half a lime in each drink. So you heard it here, people. I as a government worker, I can't even fathom the idea of drinking at work. I'm so jealous. That's so cool. Uh, oh yeah. Well, we have a a kegerator. <laughs> I need to get in the private <laughs> industry, man. This sucks. <laughs> we also have cold brew coffee on draft. I think we've talked about that, right? Yeah, I'm addicted. So, um, but yeah, uh, so that that's a really great drink. But mojitos are really in right now, too. And I think it's because of this resurgence with this pop culture of Cuba. Um, so th those are two. And, and lots of people are drinking caipirinhas. We weren't allowed to have cachaças here in the States uh, until just a couple years ago. It started to get imported because it's all made in Brazil. So, um, you know, check it out. Um, they're delicious. But, um, you know, drink drink what you like, people. Drink what you like. And then there's some great summer beers. Um, I am pretty excited because sour beers are a thing. They're a thing. Everyone's making sour beers. So my sour beer heart, they're my favorite. I'm able to find them everywhere now. I'll give a shout out to my wife because she had a mojito on our last date night so I can let her know that she's super cool. Oh my gosh, trendy. she's the coolest. Mojitos are are so in right now. And also, when I was watching Jen Fulweiler's uh, little bottle thing there, it reminded me of my wife during college who does the bottle and the upside down bottle and she would pop them for me all the time that way. Why didn't we tell Jen this? She's a special lady, my wife. Oh, um, we got a tweet at her after the show. <laughs> All right, folks, next up, we're bringing on an actual real life journalist. Her name is Mary Rizak, 
and she's fantastic. And we're going to pepper her with questions. And then we're going to send out all the questions that you guys put on Twitter her way. And she's very nervous about drugs, snails, saints. It's going to no, be great. No dr- Say no to drugs. Say no to drugs. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be her answer. All right, everybody. We'll be back. <laughs> I think it's time for a break now. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited because we this podcast keeps getting more legit, and I don't know what Tommy and I did to deserve this, but today we have a really, really cool guest. Her name is Mary Rezach, and she is with Catholic News Agency and EWTN News. Welcome, Mary. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. It's so great to have a real-life journalist on the podcast. In the flesh. Do you have the blue Twitter <laughs> check mark? No, not you yet. You should. You should. I'll, I should apply for one, though. You really should. I'm jealous. <laughs> I feel like it's Arlene Spensley who's the only one, right? Is she yeah, the only because one? she works at a paper, but she's moving she's now, super. so we'll see if she gets what? to keep her blue check. Breaking news. And it has nothing to do with our guest, Mary, so apologies. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that another time. That's We need another podcast, Catholic Gossip. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mary, why don't you tell us um, how you got your start in journalism? Because so many Catholics that hang out on the Internet like to pretend that they're writers, but you're an actual writer. How did it all start? Sure. Um, So I actually I started college studying education. I was going to be a math teacher in middle school math. And then my college dropped the middle school program. Awesome. Uh, And so I was like either going to transfer or figure out if I wanted to do elementary or high school. Um, And so I ended up transferring to high school and I wasn't about high school math. So and I've always been really I've always really enjoyed reading and writing and thought journalism would be cool. Um, But I went to a really small high school in Nebraska. And so we didn't really have a paper or any sort of journalism experience. And so I just decided to give it a try with a couple of classes and really loved it. And I, I was also... John Paul II is one of my big heroes, and he always talks about using media for evangelization. And um, so that was really part of the inspiration, too. I, I thought that the church could do a better job of reaching people in the media. So I wanted to be a part of that. That's so fantastic. Do we have to constantly fear the fact that you're going to eventually go to some like mainstream media organization as a big shot journalist? Like is Catholic media like, oh, we start here and then people see some cool article and then we're out of here. We're going to the New York Times or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll take it one step at a time. I think there you go. <laughs> a small part of me would think that that would be really cool. But another part of me really loves uh, Catholic media and what we're doing over at Catholic News Agency. So I don't see leaving any time in the foreseeable future. <laughs> Good for you, Mary. Because my bosses are listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, maybe they'll send you to Rome. Yeah, that would be awesome. I've actually I... never been, so. What? I know. All right, we need to start a uh, GoFundMe so you can go to Rome. <laughs> I've been to Peru and New Zealand and Australia and Poland, just not Rome. <laughs> She's got me beat. I'm Canada and Mexico. So, <laughs> so Mary, I have to say, every time I see a story on CNA's Twitter feed that I actually click on, because I don't click on all of them, my apologies. But every time I click on one because it interests me, you're always the one who wrote it. So, I, I mean, 
everything from like the, the priests who were like souping up cars back in the day to more recent pieces like on mental health and stuff like that. I'm curious, what's your favorite piece that you ever published? That's a great question. It was Sarah's question. <laughs> the question I get a lot and I'm like never sure how to answer. Um, there, so there's a really nerdy, I got to do some really nerdy pieces during the synod about the German bishops and they were like snarky blogs. So that was really fun. You mean the beard um, posts? Well, oh yeah, the beard blogs. Those are fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and synod baby, weren't you like breaking news on synod, synod baby, baby too? <laughs> So yeah, stuff like that, where I can take something that like, you know, most Catholics, I'm guessing probably don't pay a whole lot of attention to synod news, but when you can kind of make it fun and interesting and draw people in and when I get to be snarky, um, it's always a good time. So mm-hmm. yeah, those <laughs> you're, you're, you're in good company here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of us frequently get things returned back because they're too snarky. That does happen. <laughs> My editors, they, they always tell us to go for it. Like if you have a really weird idea for a headline or a lead, just throw it in there and um, they'll they'll tell you if they won't use it. But every once in a while you get to use something. So That is so cool. That's super cool. Why don't you talk a little bit about your piece that you just put out there that was on uh, mental health in the church? Because I think it's mm-hmm. such a... Loved it. It's a topic that doesn't get talked about and needs to for sure. Because I think the first place people go when they're kind of having those sort of symptoms is to a priest or someone in their parish, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the idea was kind of uh, one of my editors. We have like a long term list of features that we want to get through. And it was just one like the next one on the list. But um, personally, for me, it's been a really important topic because I know a lot of my friends and some family members uh, struggle with mental health issues, particularly depression, I think is really uh, prevalent today. And so, and I know like I had a family member tell me at one point that they felt like they were a spiritual failure because they were experiencing depression. And that just broke my heart because I was like, no, like you have an illness. Like it's, it's, it's like if you had cancer and you were like, Oh, God must be punishing me. Like, no, that's not how it works. So, um, just such an important topic, I think, today. And I just put out a little Facebook status. So I was like, hey, friends. And I do this a lot. My my friends are kind of used to it by now. But I'm like, hey, I'm working on this story. Like, if you have any experience and would like to comment or like know anyone who would like to comment, shoot me a personal message. And the response I got from that was explosive. Like, I've never... My friends are usually pretty good about like putting me in touch with a few people. But that just... I got so many responses to that from so many people like, people I haven't talked to in years, people I barely know, close friends. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's been really important. That's, that's so great. And it's so cool that you were able to write about that topic. Cause I think we skip over it so much. Like a lot of people know, I think that I've worked with mental health since, since 2005 as a marriage and family therapist. So, um, it was super exciting to see that somebody was going to write something that would get a lot of, um, a lot of people reading it. Cause I think people need to kind of recognize it. Yeah, I I honestly just really love the post. I have a few friends that tend to fall into the um, segment of humans you were talking about um, (laughs) that that do way just say like, oh my gosh, when they're struggling with something like anxiety or depression that they think it's the devil attacking them. And while that like probably plays a little bit into it is not all of it like as someone who has struggled with anxiety um, and, and do struggle with anxiety very often, like I, I overcame and, and know that 
that's not exactly how it works. Like there's just stuff that happens as a human that things just are hard. Life is sometimes hard to process and you have to allow yourself to talk to somebody or uh, figure out the ways that you can avoid uh, any sort of those situations if it's that bad, you know, to avoid or... um, but you don't necessarily have to segment yourself off and find your little safe space. That's a whole other conversation. But um, but just <laughs> learn how to cope, right? And and know like what you need to focus on and what you don't need to focus on. And I think that's the hardest thing for people um to to recognize is don't and like truly this is so trite, but don't sweat the small stuff. It's so easy when you are in that. Uh, I call it like the circle of anxiety because you're just spinning and you're trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, how can I get out? Uh, like when you were a kid and you used to lock arms with a friend and just spin around in circles, that's the best analogy I can give for someone who's never struggled with anxiety of like, oh my gosh, if I let go, then I'm going to fall and it's just going to be really ugly and I might scrape my knee and all this. And so it's just, it's a struggle for people, but it's okay to ask for help. And it's not like, don't just depend on your priest to help you in confession to do this. Like you need to go talk to someone like Tommy Ty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah. And there were some comments I got that thought I was de-emphasizing prayer and that's certainly not the case. Like prayer is definitely an important part of. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. But, um, but it's not, it can't be everything. Like you said, a lot of what therapists do is like help people to rework their thinking, Mm -hmm. how to like recognize what their thoughts are coming from. Is this anxiety? What am I, how do I combat that? And priests just aren't trained to do that. So um, it's important definitely to have both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's really sad to think that people would always go get help for things like diabetes or things like hypertension and all these sort of physical diseases. But then they think of themselves as failures when it comes to mental health. And I think that's just something we have to fight against as a church and just as a people, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that if someone finds out, oh my gosh, my friend like is struggling with depression, whether it's long-term or, you know, sometimes it's short-term depression uh, triggered by life events. Like you kind of are just like, well, I don't really know what to say to them. Like, do I have to treat them differently? Like, no, they, they are, they are not going to infect you with their, with their mental health issue. Like you need to spend time with them. That's what they want. They just need to feel loved and uh, no matter what they're going through. And it's, so it's something that we like outside of, of being Catholic, uh, just, we as as human as a human race in the whole entire world but especially here in the u.s need to stop making people feel bad because they feel bad right absolutely and i think just like having friends who have depression or having some family members with that i've learned it it can be difficult because there is a danger i think of getting drugged down with them and trying uh acting like you are the solution to their problem and when you don't solve it then it can be you can be really hard on yourself but yeah, just continuing, just being a consistently good friend, continuing to reach out, continuing to be there. Sometimes they might not want you or might not want to go out or whatever it might be, but just being consistently there for them and being a good friend is what it takes. And well, I certainly don't do that perfectly, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, truly, for being brave and writing that story. Um, uh, it just, I cannot tell you how many people I um, emailed it to. So really, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So, Mary, I'm 34 and I can barely figure out how to use Snapchat. Uh, I'm not funny on Snapchat. I wouldn't recommend following me because I just don't get it, really. But I will say... You don't suck at Snapchat. I do. No, you don't. Catholic News Agency is amazing at Snapchat. I mean, 
they're they're really catholic news agency is the only snapchat account where i will definitely like sit and just watch it because it's like i feel like i'm in rome when they're doing it from rome or i'm like in a super cool newsroom like when you were doing it the other day and (laughs) i just i you guys use it so well i just wanted you to kind of talk about how awesome you guys are able to use that medium yeah so um i started a few months um probably maybe six months ago um really pushing for us to get a snapchat because um we had been watching the articles and the numbers come out and it's the third i think it's like the third largest yes social media network and it maybe has more daily active users than twitter so it's yes. like it's really- also got more than uh like instagram right now too i think or maybe facebook yeah. one of the two yeah. it is definitely it's facebook instagram and then snapchat this is what i do yeah. for work i work in social oh yeah perfect <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's really like the next big thing in media. And so I was really excited when we got an account and started snapping. Um, it's been a process, definitely learning what works and what doesn't. But um, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I had Snapchat in college and then I kind of read about the sketchy beginnings of the app. And so mm-hmm. I deleted it for a while. But then it started to make this huge comeback. And I was like, all right, it's something that I can't ignore anymore. I have to get back on it. So started snapping a ton with my friends and then uh, kind of jumped over on Catholic News Agency. So yeah, we try and have like our own people Snapchat for us about once a week. We have people in DC that we have snapping for us sometimes. Um, Yeah, it's been really fun. Well, you guys totally own it. I'm super impressed. So well done. Well done. I cannot wait to see how you use Snapchat memories. Just saying. I know. We just <laughs> were looking at that yesterday. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're putting Mary on the hipster hot seat with questions that you sent in on Twitter, the fifth best social media <laughs> app, I guess. Uh, we're just going to pepper her with questions. It's going to be fun. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Sarah's favorite part of the show, the hipster hot seat, brought to you by St. Lawrence, right? Yes. Turn me over? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready, Mary, to get peppered with questions from all your biggest fans, or at I least four so. of them? <laughs> four of my biggest fans, most of them I know personally. <laughs> are, we, are we going back and forth here, Sarah? Did I send these to you? This is the show prep. I just, pull, I just pulled them up. And your text message you sent me. (laughs) Mary, Sergio Bermudez wants to know, yes or no question, did you listen to Beyonce's Lemonade? Yes. Am I allowed to elaborate or no? Sure. Yes or no. (laughs) All right. I just wanted to say my favorite song is Daddy Lessons. I don't know what's happening right now. Me either. (laughs) I didn't listen. Well, actually, I tried to listen and um, I didn't like it. I just know the picture of her with the braids with her head down. <laughs> okay, so Melissa Keating wants to know, who destroyed you at Bunko the only time she showed up? Melissa Keating. <laughs> wait, wait, I just, you guys played Bunko? Judging you. So, yeah, you should. <laughs> I played Bunko with two different groups, so you should judge me twice as hard. <laughs> hey, my mother-in-law's a Bunko lover, so it's all great. <laughs> Uh, my roommate, actually, she started a Bunko League with some of her friends. And so there, there's three of us living in this house. And so the other two of us roommates kind of got 
uh, roped into this Bunko League. It's I think it's once a month on Tuesday. It's a league? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that you guys have jerseys. That's what I want to know. <laughs> we don't have jerseys, but we do have prizes. So nice. Melissa won a prize the first and only time so far that she has showed up to Bunko. <laughs> <laughs> and then my parish has Bunko Nights, too. And oh, those, wow. They're huge. They get like 100 people to show up. It's really fun they give out prizes too i think i won like a chick-fil-a gift certificate or something Hello. that's good yeah yep. I, I don't know the bible that well but didn't jesus like flip over bunco tables in one of the <laughs> things in the yep, i think that's what it was i thought no <laughs> i thought it was, it was oh bingo tables bingo bingo, <laughs> bingo. Uh, <okay>. steven <laughs> lewis focus dropout uh asks <laughs> which saint would you not be twitter friends with yeah um i've been trying to think about this so on the one hand i want to say someone like like saint nicholas who punched heretics in the face um you're not into that because that's no like to pretend they're into that well on the, yeah on the one hand i think that's really cool so maybe it would be more like melissa keating's favorite blessed <laughs> marcel callow uh, that's think, like the nerd right is he like the he's yeah, like the pierre giorgio frasati for nerds is that the yeah. deal he, he was a nerd and I think he would have just been like kind of a troll on Twitter, <laughs> correcting my every mistake. So maybe I'll go with him. Yeah. That, that you would utilize really awesome. the block functionality. Block. I probably would. Or at least mute. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I don't want to ask the next question. Sergio Bermudez wants to know what your favorite drug is. <laughs> um. The you know, since I live in Denver, I thought about making a joke about pot. But... <laughs> <laughs> Just say no. Just say no, kids. Just say Perfect. No. <laughs> See, well done. Did I add in the French fry one or is that I added that later, huh? Well, yeah, this but is... I want to ask that. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this was on Twitter and it and it drove me absolutely crazy because I didn't see my favorite French fry condiment listed. Okay, so, so actually, I have two questions for this one. Number one, what style of French fry is the best? Ooh. And number two, what's the best condiment for french fries Ooh. so i think this is gonna have to be a competition between my two favorite fast food chicken restaurants <laughs> chick-fil-a and raising canes mm. i really like chick-fil-a's waffle fries but mm, i think raising canes has a better sauce for the fries sarah what about you yeah um you know i like crinkle fries just the shape of them i really like crinkle fries and then um uh my favorite my favorites i'm usually ketchup however we have this chicken chain here in the southeast called zaxby's and they have this sauce called zax sauce Mm. so i gotta go with like the thin like really thin fries oh like shoestring fries from uh steak and shake i've never been to steak and shake but sure i'll go with it okay and I got to give a shout out to my Canadian friends because when my wife and I went on a vacation <laughs> to Vancouver and I said I wanted ranch dressing for my fries, they didn't know what that meant. And so they brought me, um, I said, well, what do you dip your fries in? And they were like plum sauce. So what? I said, all right, let's what? do it. And it was amazing. And they don't sell it in the United States. They sell plum sauce, but it's not the same kind. The only time you can get it in the U.S. was during the Vancouver Olympics. McDonald's had it as a dipping sauce. Oh, hmm. Shout out to obscure who knew well you know canadians also have milk in bags so whatever (laughs) (laughs) when you have kids you have milk in bags too so (laughs) mary matt swaim wants to know what's the most underrated way to eat a pig oh my gosh 
Um, I guess, so I worked at a summer camp for a long time in Nebraska and we would have pig roasts where we'd actually have a pig like on a spit over oh, yeah. the fire. So I don't see people doing that nearly enough. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> that takes me back to Hawaii. Yeah. Is there one more, Sarah? There is. Chips and yep, guac or chips and salsa? Uh, guac, always. Wow. Do you like guac with lots of junk in it or just straight up avocado and salt? You know, I can do the simplest guac I make is avocado, garlic salt, and lime juice. That's but it. if That's I'm feeling need. really fancy, I'll throw in some red onion and some tomatoes. I get, you know, I can eat that red onion and tomatoes guac, but when I'm at like a party and someone puts this stuff out here that's just like a mixed bowl of junk with a little avocado smashed in it, I'm so disappointed. Mm. <laughs> I just want the garlic salt and avocado. That's, that's all. more like a salad that has guacamole in it or, or has avocado in it rather. Yeah. Well done. You are now off the hipster hot seat. We'll turn you over. You made it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if we turn her over, then we have to do it the other side. We have to do more, and we have to do an equal number, too, or else that nerd saint would tweet at us that it wasn't symmetrical, probably. <laughs> Mary, it was such a joy to have you on this morning. Thank you for waking up early out there in the Mile High City, and um, it was so great just to talk to you. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Why don't you tell people, I always forget this, why don't you tell people who don't know where they can follow you and see your mustache cup of coffee? <laughs> sure so uh follow me Which, on wait by the way before you say this do you know there's like lots of people on twitter who've copied you with that i don't know if you're like the original one but every <laughs> once in a while i bump into other people who have that exact same picture of the mustache copy copy the cup. mustache coffee mug with their face of course i don't mean they're like hijacking your picture but like right. they're doing the same thing as you you're wow. a trendsetter i'm a trendsetter <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious i don't think i've run into any of those quite yet um, but yeah, people can follow me on Twitter. It's just my name. So at Mary Rezac, R-E-Z-A-C or Rezach is the Czech way to say it, but there's no H on the end. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different Twitter account. You don't want to go there. <laughs> and then follow us on Snapchat. Add us by username CNA Live. We'd love to get your feedback on that. We're still trying out new things and seeing where that takes us. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary. It was a pleasure to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Cool. I don't know about you guys, but that was pretty awesome. So uh, thanks, Tommy, for helping arrange to get Mary on. I now follow her on Twitter. I didn't before, shamefully. I'm so proud of you. It was so nice to have a Rezach on the podcast. Rezach. Yeah. So apparently um, we, we were saying her name incorrectly, but we got it this time. We did. I know. I'm so excited. And, and I, I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> it's OK. I, I she she's she's awesome. She forgives us. <laughs> So everybody, I hope you had a good time. If you want to check me out, you can look at Twitter at at the GH is silent and there's other things around there. Although, also, God, also? pathetic. <laughs> also, that was my Catholic accent. Uh, also, CatholicHipster.com and maybe TheologyTheDadBod.com someday. Maybe someday. Well, you can find me, Sarah Vabulous, at CatholicDrinky.com on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, all of it. All, I think I even have a YouTube channel, but I don't I don't do anything with it. That's cool. I know. Social media. Enjoy your mojitos, everybody. Take good care. God bless. Well, that's been the state of Do this. Is there another
enough oxygen in Denver for you to be able to get through this interview, Mary? You know, funny you should ask. I was actually woken up by my carbon monoxide alarm this morning. Oh, no, that would <laughs> No way. Me. Seriously? At like 5.30 in the morning, it beeps super loud. There's one in my room, and I like jolted awake, and I had no idea what was going on. And uh, it turns out I just needed the battery replaced, but... Oh. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.